from our soundstage and auditory office to your hearts and ears across the globe. The following has been crafted with care for your listening ears. Sometimes, one just ain't enough. On our last official episode, we sat down with a Zimbabwean brother who's helping leaders lead and people progress. Today, part two, the double click, the sequel, a conversation with a formidable force with lineage from that same storied land. Among other things, Shelton Impala, my next great guest, is a modern day Pan-Africanist. Not only bringing peoples from the continent together, but genuinely celebrating them in all their glory. He's more than just a child of the dark continent. Good morning, good day, or good evening, and welcome to 54 Lights. For those just joining or those joining as a matter of habit, remember that this season we're diving headfirst into the deep end, dedicating each and every official episode into seeing one corner of the African continent. A deliberate unpacking of the African experience, told mostly through the eyes of those in the diaspora. And we're going to march the African map, if you will, all 54 countries in it, one story at a time. My name is Kondwani Mwase, Ethiopian-born, Canadian-raised, and proudly Malawian. As you'll soon hear, I too am a Pan-Africanist, one that finds inspiration, energy, and purpose in creative spaces. Now, without further a ramble, let's lean in and listen up to part two on Zimbabwe, but definitely an episode all in its own with Shelton Impala. There's um, a real richness in language in terms of, I feel like that's where uh, a people's goal is in terms of their culture, their language. Um, so even for me, one of the biggest things with children was to really establish a um, an opportunity for us to learn our languages because I feel for you that you've been away from Malawi for such a long time is we tend to lose our language. And once it's gone, it's gone forever. It's not going to be passed on to the next generation. So for me, I found it super important for me to start this movement of children of the dark continent to not only um, raise that awareness, but also make people fall in love with their culture again. Yeah. Um, because it's so difficult, especially when you're in the diaspora, um, you'll get people, what's African? What's, what language? What, what's the food that you eat? Why are you guys eating this? And you kind of feel bad about your, your culture, but I'm really glad that over the last few years, there's been this movement of really uh, reinvigorating uh, Africa and actually African kids being proud of their history and their culture, their music. So yeah, we're at a very uh, special time. I'm sure just as like you, uh, when you moved to Canada, there weren't uh, much places that were playing African music. There weren't much African restaurants. So it was really difficult to uh, try and reconnect to Africa distance-wise as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, just been crazy. I really like what you said about this. There's almost like, I don't want to say if it's, if it's a, the zeitgeist, there's a new... There's a new energy around Africanism, right? Afrobeats, foods, different foods from Africa are being, um, I don't want to say they're being popularized, but I think it feels like the, the diaspora is being allowed to, to sort of flex who they are a little bit. Um, 
where do you think that's coming from? For me, I honestly would say I'll give a big part of it to Nigeria. <laughs> I think um, Nigerians are everywhere. Like, I don't think there's a place in the world where I haven't found a Nigerian person. Uh, <laughs> I'm me, laughing because I'm like, yeah, you are right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I've I've literally been to some places in the world. I'm like, there's no way there's a Nigerian. And of course, there's a Nigerian person. Um, but yeah, I, I think Nigeria has been able to really export not only its people, but its culture in uh, such a unique and dynamic way. I always tell people this, uh, which I, I find still very funny to this day. But um, so I had this group of really good um, Jamaican friends and literally one day I was going over to their house. So I hear them in the basement, just like laughing their lights out. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I go into the basement and they have literally been watching like, I, I don't know how many hours of Ni- Nigerian Hollywood films. And I was like, hold on. You guys actually watch Nollywood films? Yeah, Jamaicans. I'm like, yeah. It's like, you have no idea, bro. I know Beyonce 1, Beyonce 2. Beyonce. I'm like, <laughs> like for me, it was just like, how do you even know about Nollywood? Like, I don't even know anything about Nollywood. But clearly, you guys know everything about Nollywood. And they had stacks of, like, DVDs. Wow. And I was just like, this is crazy. Yeah. This is crazy. So I, I think for me, I think that was the, when I started to notice that, you know what? Um Africa does have a product that the world wants to, to see, listen, and uh, learn more about. And as well, um, even diving deeper, getting to know that uh, shows such as, I don't know if you ever heard of this show that used to be in South Africa called Generations, mm. but it was basically one of the top shows in Jamaica at one point. Ooh. So a South African soapy who was actually the top. Featured uh, in, a, in the Caribbean. Correct. Correct. And, and Jamaica, yeah. no less. Right. Jamaica. It's funny that you say that from a Caribbean perspective. And I know that's not the focus of this show or, or this podcast in general. <laughs> but I find um, I find Jamaicans as well, or at least five, you know, at least five years ago. I, my perception was Jamaicans were also very good at um, sort of promoting the Caribbean and, and sort of it, it, oh, and, sure. it, it, sort of taking that mantle and, and just sort of being who they are and being sort of like almost a bridge because other cultures would, would kind of find their way into the Caribbean through, through Jamaica. That's my own perception of it, but maybe that's also a little bit of what you're saying about Nigerians. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, with, with, with a lot of the people from the West Indies that moved to whether it was the UK with the wind, wind rush generation or even North America, Jamaicans were the first quote unquote, like black people uh, mm. with culture that came in. So I think they really exported their culture first. Um, and then now with with more either Nigerians or more Africans uh, going to the diaspora, we are now infusing our own culture. And that's why now I think more people are willing to either listen to uh, some of our music or whatever, because there's more of us now. Yeah. Unlike before where there's like little sprinkles here and there. Um, so I think that's always the bigger thing as well in terms of like building a community. Once you have a community around you, then you can, you know, have your Afrofests, you can have uh, your African restaurants or whatever. But if it's just, you know, me and you in one yeah. area, then there's, it doesn't make business sense as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's also the power in terms of like, um, as diaspora building communities for us to come together, have businesses, raise kids, um, be able to, even though this, the, like the, the beautiful thing that I always like about other uh, groups, such as whether it's Indian or Chinese or Jewish, 
they will, or even Polish, they'll mm. literally have their own schools. They will take their yeah. kids to, yeah. you know, uh, Saturday school so that they yeah. learn their language and culture. But that only happens once they have a strong enough, a group, big enough, you know, strong enough group. Yeah, yeah, and, and a volume, voluminous enough one, right, to be able to sustain something like that. That's a really interesting point, and you're you're t- you're you're sort of uh, leading this, leading me towards this conversation about language, and uh, and how that flourishes, but. Um, maybe you can tell me, um, you know, we've, we've kind of gone around a little bit and, and, and not yet introduced who you are. So Shelton Impala, sure. my, my next and great guest uh, of, of the show for 54 Lights. And um, Shelton, you, you come from Zimbabwe, but I think Bloweo as well in particular, or is that, is that right or not right? Yes, sir. Yes. You got it. Fantastic. My mom was uh, was actually born in Bloweo, so I have uh, I have a bit of a we, we have a little bit of a, a of a connection there. Although we should talk maybe offline about uh, <laughs> about home and Zim being home. But um, maybe for the for the people listening to this show, Shelton, can you tell us and me as well who is Shelton Impala? You know, in your words, not in the little sprinkles that I found on the net and what I found out about you. Who is Shelton, and what do you stand for? Yeah, so as you said, my name is Shelton Paula, uh, born and raised in Bulawayo in Zimbabwe. Um, to be honest, I'm just an African child. Um, I was very fortunate to have been raised by, you know, three amazing women uh, that really taught me what love was. And I think love for only not only myself, but love for my culture, love for my history, love for my roots. Um, and also um, just been passionate to, 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 you know, uh, show a clear picture of not only who I am, but who my people are. Um, why I started Children of the Dark Continent is I was always frustrated and always seeing a negative image of Africa. It was whether it was the humanitarian image with, you know, the hungry kids with the huge stomachs or big bellies, or it was a Lion King narrative, or in terms of like, I wake up and I come out of my mud hut and I'm surrounded by animals mm-hmm. and I'm just like in the wilderness. Um, so to me, that image was really frustrating because it didn't really tell the full story in terms of um, one, how beautiful Africa is, how beautiful its people is. It didn't take into consideration our culture, our history, our food, our arts. Um, it never did. And it was always a negative story. So I really wanted to really redefine that image and show a more positive image of Africa um, through, like, as I said, our music, our arts, language. Um, and to be honest, like, I, I challenge people, if you haven't been to Africa, please do make a considered, considered effort to book that ticket. It will be a life-changing journey. Uh, you will learn so many things, even for me constantly, uh, as, as much as I call myself a Pan-African, I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. There's so many things, um, I think, too, as well as history is being rewritten uh, and being re- re-corrected. Um, there's a lot of things um, that have been reported that haven't been true. So it's just like, what is it today that we're finding in terms of like that new story about Africa? Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, the Egyptians uh, with, uh, with the Pythagoras' theory or, or yeah. quote-unquote Pythagoras uh, says that he invented that theory but that's been found that it's not true. Uh, even with the heart transplant that happened in South Africa, um, it was supposed to be by, I think, Chris Bernard, which was supposed to be a white doctor. But 
after a couple of years, it's actually been found out that it was actually a black doctor that did that first heart transplant. The, fir- the very first one. Yes, exactly. Exactly. In the world. In, In the, the world. world. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Globally. Globally. That's exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's like these little things that um, people still don't know about Africa. So these are the gems or these are the little beautiful things that I really love to showcase because that uh, shows us that we're not only capable of doing, you know, amazing things, but it's 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 been a false narrative that uh, media has showcased about Africa. It's you know, and thank you for that uh, that that context, Shelton. And it's funny when you were when you were describing it, um, you know, what's led you to this part of the journey. It, in many ways, it's exactly the energy and the ethos of this show and my experience. To be honest, the only thing I was going to add to that was um, there was that movie. What is it? The Gods Must Be Crazy. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you awesome. know, I, I, I just have this like such a tortured memory of that movie because I remember at first I was like kind of laughing and I was like, oh, my God, this is how they see us. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that whole, you know, the picture of the kid with the fly in the belly and the like the, essentially the live aid, like, come help us. You know, and I, I exactly. you know, be, so it, it's funny when you were saying that that's literally exactly, you know, you you paraphrased it in, in ways that I can I can really come come close to absorbing. And it's very emotional for me, actually, even to take myself back to those tape those times. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting things you've also said in this, you said a lot, a lot in there, Shelton, and I thank you for it, but you, you had said my people and what's evident in um, Children of the Dark Continent. And by the way, people, um, this is an organization that, that Shelton has started. Um, please go ahead and you we find you online or on Instagram under that very same name. Um, and is it a .org or a .com? Sorry. .com. At the dot com. So sorry, mm-hmm. uh, look for children of the dark continent.com and the same uh, name under um, Instagram. But one of the things that's really interesting and profound about what you're doing is that term, my people. So some would say your people are the Indebele, the, 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 the people from Bloweo Zim. But when you go to the website, when I hear you speak and what I've seen about what you do, you are really talking about a Pan-African view. You're celebrating people in the Sudan. You're celebrating people in South Africa. You're celebrating people in Angola, whether it's books, writers, artists. Um, you, you, you've sort of really taken that on. Mm-hmm. So the question is, long way to get there, but the question is, what has given you the uh, desire or energy to say, my people are not just uh, you know, the, the, the people from Zim and not even the people from Zim, but the people from Blaweo, not even the people from Blaweo, but you know, because sometimes that's what people say. I'm only going to be taking care of my neighborhood. You seem to have looked at it and said, my neighborhood is expansive. The biggest thing um, that I've learned is to be inclusive. I think within a story, because I, I don't think I can just tell the African story, by just focusing just on the Ndebali people, because we have, you know, such a small, if, 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 if I can say it, well, it is a big history, but in the context of the rest of the continent, it's very small in comparison to um, places like North Africa or um, West Africa. And I think the other thing as well, in terms of children of the dark continent, uh, it's not necessarily just on black people. Um, because Africa has a multitude of different types of people, whether you are Arabic, whether you're white, whether you are uh, Chinese. Uh, One of the crazy things that 
uh, I always used to show people um, and they'll always be so surprised is uh, my pictures in like high school or primary school, like half of my class was like literally white, mm. right? So in, when I'm when I'm talking about children of the dark continent, that includes all of them because we are all born under the African sun. And I feel like if I'm leaving them out, I'm leaving a portion of Africa's story. So for me, it's it's really about inclusive. And I think there's this one beautiful African word that I love that I'm sure you can also resonate, but Ubuntu, a love mm. for humanity, a love for people. Yeah. And for me, that always resonates in terms of um, if I truly love my people, I need to bring all my people with me. I cannot leave one you know, uh, sector segment just because maybe we don't get along or anything. But as a collective, uh, I think Africa needs to come together to, to be of a strong voice and to speak with one voice. Uh, rather than um, like what you what you mentioned earlier in terms of Africa being broken up and yeah. being broken up on purpose yes. so that we couldn't be able to come together collectively. Um, so that's one of the things I've also tried to really break down in terms of whether you're Anglophone or Francophone or, or, or any other language that you speak, we are going to speak together in one voice. Beautifully said. Thank you so much for that, um, Shelton, that perspective. And it, 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 you know, you feel like it feels like you're giving me permission to pursue some of the things that I'm pursuing on this show, because there was, you know, there was this struggle of there's a couple of people who are obviously, uh, you, you, you know, from different backgrounds. I guess roots wise, but they are African white people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously uh, just a, a whole different myriad. So I guess the question is um, related to that. Do you find that people resist that? Resist that urge to say, no, we are all children of the dark continent. You know, have has it been fragmented? And I know it has in the past, but when you taught when you work now, mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. you find that there's a resistance to that uh, energy? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's the, the challenging thing is I think everyone always has their own image of what the world should look like. Um, and, and I read, uh, this amazing book a couple of years ago called, uh, the fifth agreement. And there's one particular chapter that I always tell people about, because for me, it was truly, uh, mind blowing in terms of, um, so in this chapter, there is a gentleman who is going to the movie theater to watch an autobiography about his life. So in the first theater, he goes in by himself, um, and he watches an actor portraying his life story is like, huh. You know, kind of looks like me. He has my story on point-ish, but not fully all the way. Um, and then he goes to another movie theater. Now it's his mom's image of him um, as an autobiography. So same thing. He's like, mm, like this actor kind of looks, but, you know, my mom's known me all my life, but why does she think that I would act like this? Because the actor has different mannerisms and whatever. So he leaves that movie theater a bit confused because he's like, I'm surprised, like mom, mom should know me like she know me all my life and then same thing again he goes into another theater where it's his dad's image of his life same thing again it's like why does my dad think i'm like this like he knows that i don't like this food or I, he, he he knows that I, I i don't speak this way um but why would you think that so the 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 premise or the the idea of it is that um, regardless of who you are, just be your authentic self because the world will always have an image of you regardless. Uh, the best thing that you can do for yourself is just be authentic, just be you. Um, so I feel like there's so much power in that because um, it's, 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 it's released me and it's lifted a weight in terms of worrying too much about, oh my gosh, 
you know, this person's going to think this about me or that person's going to think that about me, but to really live a full and authentic life and to live in, with a purpose where I'm happy, I'm fulfilled with what I'm doing. And I think that's also um, part of the way that I like to um, showcase or tell my stories in a way that really lets people speak, speak their truths, um, because everyone has a different story. I can't speak for you and, and tell you like, hey, you're Malawan, you're from Lantai or whatever, or Lolongwe, uh, you must act like this, or you must talk like this, or you must like, you know, Carpenter, uh, or you must like whatever. Like, you have your own different narrative, right? Right. So it's just like really giving people that authentic opportunity to be able to tell their truths. That's amazing. Um, really, really um, deliberate way in which you seem to be approaching the, the work that you do. Um, you know, I, I just called it work because I think creating these spaces where people can step into their authentic selves, where you can appreciate um, people's different ways to express their authentic selves. I think that it, sometimes it feels like work, but when you, when you, as you're describing it and people on the phone can't, can't or people on, on the podcast maybe won't be able to see this, but it feels like it's going to come through in your voice, very genuine and very relatively easy and natural. This is my purpose. If, if I can put it in a nutshell, this is my purpose. Um, so for me, I, I, I don't find it um, in, in terms of uh, not being able to wake up in the morning for it, um, because I know like this is my purpose and not being able to do something in a day, like I feel guilty because I know that I could have uh, taken us one step forward or improved uh, a single child's life or changed a, a child's narrative. Um, so for me, I, I find purpose in this, but yet again, it is difficult work um, in terms of, you will always get resistance, whether it's, it's, it's people um, from uh, who don't necessarily understand the context. Um, and then there's some people that will be just straight up racist. Like yeah. I will not kid you not. Um, so it's, it's, it's challenging at that part, at that part. But I think the biggest thing is just understanding that this is your purpose. This is what you're passionate about. And that's, that's what, it, but that's what I'm about. Um, and yeah, just, just take it one day at a time. And I think too, it's just like also just finding supports. I think, especially when you're doing some of this work, uh, sometimes it's frustrating because you're trying to uh, change uh, a legacy or story that's been around for more than 400 years. So I also have you to are rewriting that. a complete history. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, just just really being uh, patient and understanding that, like, like I said, this has been 400 years. I'm not going to be able to you know, change everything within one year, two or three years. But as long as I can, you know, be a catalyst to the start of that conversation um, changing or shifting, I'm more than happy. What's next in your journey uh, through, uh, through Children of the Dark Continent? Do you have a prescribed path that you're going to? Is there something that you're aiming towards? Um, quite simply, what's next? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, it's, um, I think, which I touched on a little bit is, how do I get to touch each and every continent, uh, not continent, but every country? Um, so one of the things that I'm, I'm really actively doing is to get more content creators, get more storytellers onto our platform, because um, 
like I said to you, I can't tell Africa story by myself. <laughs> I need different yeah. people to come in and, and, and be able to contribute. So definitely I would love to uh, meet new um, uh, people on the platform that would love to contribute or share their stories. Um, but in terms of like growth, um, where I'm looking to pursue it is maybe make it into a production company um, and really be able to tour Africa country by country and just really be able to uh, almost do like a humans of New York type of vibe, but really get a better understanding of what the continent's makeup is, uh, whether you're Arabic, black, white, Chinese, Indian, um, Jewish, because it's honestly Africa is such a melting pot. And I think the more you dive deeper, um, you, you really start to understand that, um, especially I would say everywhere, because even for me, the crazy, craziest thing. Um, in Debali, but I have Jewish roots somewhere in the mm-hmm. line. So it's just like, how do you how do you tell those stories? You know, yeah. in terms of all these people coming from <clears throat> all these different countries, whether it's been from China to uh, or India and the eastern coast to even like Africans moving out of Africa, whether it is to South America to the yeah. to like Colombia to Guatemala. I didn't even know Guatemala there's actually a huge, a pocket, huge yeah. population. Yeah, Colombia, same thing. And then a few years ago, I actually found out there's actually a black tribe in India of actually black Africans. So it's just like, how do we tell these amazing stories of all these people that have been able to uh, not only move out of the continent, but what has been their history? You know, where are they right now? How do they still hold some of their um, uh, African heritage and history, whether it's through their food or their music or whatever, because some of those things are still there and they've still carried them, even though they're, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away, but they're still African at the core. Thank you again, Shelton. Awesome. Welcome. So there you have it. The conversation continues. Part of our show was recorded and produced at the soundstage and auditory office of 54 Lights. And while our stage is small, our lights together shine brightly. This season, more than most, has been produced in partnership with some incredible people. Ones I'll avoid rattling off anonymously, but we'll find time to thank them personally after each and every play. Now, a special shout out to my guest and to you, the listener, for lending me your energy and your ears. Remember, find us on Instagram at Crowd54. Follow us by subscribing and forward this to a friend or two, heck, or even three. Find, follow, and forward. My name again is Kindwani. Here's hoping you find yourself in every play. It's been fierce. <laughs> <laughs>